Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hi, all. Welcome to the Giant Splash. I'm Henry Schulman, the Giants beat reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle, hoping you are all healthy and safe. Today's guest is one of the most beloved men to put on a San Francisco uniform, pitcher Kirk Reeder. Woody. This might be hard to believe, but Reeder is in a countdown toward his 50th birthday in December. We could talk about Kirk's 13-year major league career for hours, but we wanted to catch up to him now to talk about the 20th anniversary of the 2000 season, which was memorable for the Giants in many ways, and especially for the Reader family. I spoke to Kirk by phone from his home near St. Louis. Well, hello, Woody. How you doing? And can I call you Woody? Oh, gosh, yes. You can definitely call me Woody. That's all I answer to uh, out in San Francisco now anyway. And it took my daughters a few uh, years to get used to that every time we'd go out there. But they weren't used to people calling me Woody. But uh, uh, that's what I go by uh, when I definitely go out there. So you can call me that. Yeah, but, I, you know, I've, I've wondered about this, too. I've always wondered, uh, you know, you, your wife, Carla, you have your two daughters, Hope and Hallie. Um, do they ever call you Woody? I mean, is it always just uh, Kirk or Dad or, or what? Uh, yeah, they're still – they never got into the whole uh, Toy Story, at least as far as calling me that. Now, they've, they've watched the movies, uh, obviously, but they never called me that. They're still uh, Kirk or, or Dad. And the only kind of guy – the only guys that I have now that are here that call me that are my shed boys. But they they did take that on. They, they ran with it and – They've called me Woody, I think, ever since the, the late 90s, and, and they still do, even when I see them in the street. Uh, they'll all be, hey, Woody, and some of the Nashville people here will look and be like, what the <laughs> heck, what are you calling him? But, uh, but they, yeah, they definitely, they're the ones that kind of ran with it, and then they keep it going here in, in my small hometown. Uh, yeah, and uh, that, that hometown is uh, Nashville, Illinois, is where you live. You grew up in Hoylton, which is nearby. It's uh it's in Illinois, uh, Southern Illinois, about uh, about 45 minutes east of, of St. Louis. And I am one of the few reporters who ever had the honor of being in the shed, being at the shed and at your house. Uh, and uh, I, I had to look it up. It was 2014. The uh, Giants had a road series in St. Louis, and then they had a day off in a road series in Cincinnati. So I drove out to your house. Uh, I got a tour of the shed. And um, it was just wonderful. For those of you who don't remember, I mean, uh, Kirk Woody has, uh, you know, he has a very nice house out there in Illinois, but he's built this, uh, I guess the old one was 3,000 square feet. Uh, How big is the shed uh, at your house now? Uh, this one kind of doubled it. It about got up six. to about a little over 5,000, 6,000. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, yeah, the, the Shed Boys kind of went a little bit crazy with, with this one. They, they built both of them, and I think once they got done with the first one, this one, they, they wanted to make it uh, a little better, and they figured this was going to be the last one they built, and uh, they, they kind of doubled it. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about, we're talking about a two-story uh, back house or uh, you know, outbuilding that uh i mean it's basically a it's a movie theater it's a bar it's a memorabilia place there's you can play pool on the top and all sorts of video games it, it's basically a child's dream uh or even an adult's dream of a 
you know, of sort of a playhouse, uh, only a 5,000 square foot one. And I have to ask you two questions about my visit there from uh, back in, uh, in 2014. Um, the first was, uh, when I was there, Carla fed me lunch. And she also sent me, she sent me home with a gigantic bag of candy and cookies and potato chips and all that. I'm telling you, the next year, uh, you know, when I was sick and I had to basically shelter in place like we're doing now for, uh, you know, like for four months. I mean, I was, I, that, that candy kept me going. I, I was eating it two years later. So, I mean, is that, is that normally what Carla does or, or was I so honored somehow? Well, you're definitely special. Uh, she uh, definitely was going to take care of you uh, with all the years that we spent with you out in San Francisco. Uh, so, so you do rate with us, but she, she is pretty good like that. Uh, all of our, our daughter's uh, friends kind of think of her as, uh, think of Carla as their second mom, and she's always trying to take care of everybody. And uh, so that's just her personality. And she would have food uh, waiting anytime somebody comes. But uh, when you were coming, she was she was prepared. And now I didn't know she was going to give you that big of candy. I probably yelled at her a little because she was, <laughs> some of that was probably mine. But uh, I do remember you telling me like a year or two later that you were still eating on it. So oh my God, obviously yeah. she, she did a pretty good job. She, she did. I didn't have to buy anything for two years. Um, now the second question, and this is very important, and you can you can be honest and tell the truth. When I was there, I saw laying around, uh, just kind of leaning against a wall, there was a framed picture of my article. Uh, I believe it was from when you retired, and, um, and it was laying there. And while I was there, you picked up the photo, and you pounded a nail into the wall right at the foot of the stairs that go up to the second floor uh, so that I could be, my story could be there prominent. And I need to know, is it still there? Oh gosh, it is definitely there. It, uh, it is actually is the one when Hope was born that I pitched, and she is right there on the wall. Your article, the full article, uh, Carla had that made for me uh, that year uh, with a picture of Hope with the game ball, and she uh, Hope loves it now because when her friends come over, they think it's really cool that uh, Hope is mentioned in a in an article, and they'll go up the stairs and they'll read it and. You know, so as Hope's gotten older, I think she appreciates it more. So I think you will always have a special place in my shed, Henry. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm touched. I'm touched. And, you know, uh, so Hope is now 20 years old, which is hard enough to believe. And we're going to talk about the day she was born because it's part of the 2000 lore that, we're, you know, we're going to talk about later in the podcast. But she's turning 20. This is the year you're going to turn 50 in December. That's hard to believe. How do you feel about turning 50? I know. Carla just turned 50, and now my my time's coming here in December. I got a few more months to, to soak up the 49, but uh, I don't know. I, I still feel pretty young, and, and my, my daughters have kept me young. We're still pretty active, and I try and stay in shape. So I don't know if I feel 50, but uh, it, it, I will be 50, but I, I'm thinking of it as just a number, and, and I'm going to try and uh, keep pushing along and, and being active as long as I can, and uh, we'll, we'll see how that works out because I am feeling when I wake up in the morning, the, I, my legs are a little bit uh, tighter or, or sore than uh, what they usually uh, were maybe 10 years ago. <laughs> now, you, you know, uh, to be honest, uh, you didn't have uh, all that much hair left uh, when you were playing. Is the, <laughs> is the remaining hair, has it gone gray yet? Oh, gosh, it's getting a lot uh, grayer when you have daughters. I think uh, <laughs> if, if I would have had some uh, sons instead of my two daughters, it, it might not be as gray, but... 
trying to raise two daughters and, and get them through high school and college, uh, it, it'll it'll make other stuff uh, change on you too. But uh, but I wouldn't change a thing. They're uh, they've been great. Uh, that's the reason I retired in the first place was to come home and, and spend as much time with them as I could. Because like you said, I mean, as you're telling me, time goes by in a hurry and. You know, pretty soon I'm going to have both daughters that are going to actually be out of high school, and I don't know what I'll do then. <laughs> now, now I got to ask you this: Hope is 20. Hallie is what 17? Uh, she just turned 16. Just turned she, 16. She, yep. Uh, okay. Yep. Have either of them brought home any boys yet to meet you? Uh, Hope has. Hope has has brought uh, uh, boys, and and she's actually brought the one that uh, was from college that is from California, and he. Obviously, he kind of knew who I was because he was, but he because they can Google everything now, the kids. And uh, but he had never met me, and so I think he was a little maybe scared coming in. But once he got here, I mean, you know us. I mean, we're pretty uh, down uh, down to earth people, and and just like to have fun. And, and I don't think I'm a very intimidating guy. So <laughs> I, I think once he got in, he he was pretty good and. Uh, he was ready to go, and, and I took it as a good compliment. Like the next day, he came back, and they were fishing out there already. So I don't think I scared him too much that he didn't want to come back. Yeah, you know, I, I don't picture you as the guy running off a boy with a shotgun. That doesn't just seem like that doesn't <laughs> seem like you. Um, so you you've uh, you have not gone back into organized baseball since you retired in the 2005 season. Uh, so what is it that Kirk Reader has done over the last 15 years? Uh, boy, I tell you, I've done what I basically set out to do when me and Carla, you know, kind of wanted to go over whether we were going to retire or not. In in 2005, after that season, Hope was starting school. And I I always wanted to be home and, and see as much stuff with my kids and my family as I could. And that's that's basically what I've done for 15 years. I've coached uh, basketball at their grade school for both girls. Uh, I don't think I've missed, we were laughing the other night, I think I've missed one sporting event that any of my girls uh, have done uh, their whole lives, and that was to come out to San Francisco to be in Willie Mack's golf tournament one year. Wow, yeah. Uh, so that, that was an okay excuse. They, they let me go for Willie Mack. And so I, I, that's what I've done. And, and like I said, Hallie has two more years, and she's kept us a, a little more busy than Hope because she's in volleyball, basketball, and track in high school. So we, that keeps us a lot more busy than, than what Hope was doing. She just played golf. And so that's what I've done. And, and I, I've enjoyed every minute of it. I wouldn't change a thing. And, you know, I got two more years of Hallie uh, doing that. And then I don't know what we'll do. Because, like I said, then I'll have both girls will be out of sports and, and out of high school, so I'll have to find something else to do. <laughs> well, you know, you could always get back into organized baseball. I mean, a lot of pitchers go back in as coaches, uh, instructors and whatnot, and you never have. I mean, what's the real reason that you haven't? Has it been family? Uh, a big part. I, did, I just did not want to be away. I mean, I know how hard, like, you know, I, I was a player, obviously, and, and I know how hard the coaches and managers at every level have to work and and I think they have a they spend more time at the field obviously than the players do and and I just thought I wouldn't like that especially when I knew I had two little girls at home that that I could be spending time with and so that that was the the main reason that I've never gotten in you know and now my girls are saying they're moving like they don't want to live in my my small town that's hard to believe she's 
yeah, Hope says she's coming back to, to San Francisco. So now if she does that, you know, and, and I move back out there and then I might try and get back with the Giants and uh, see if I can do something in their organization to help them out. But as of now, that's that was the big thing. And, and my, my only baseball now will be I will be doing something with Gary Gaetti here in like another four or five months. He's opening a sports academy. Uh, close to my hometown and he asked me to help him give lessons and stuff so i i am going to get in with gary and and uh, help him out here uh in the future yeah see he's from your he's from your area and uh you told me something funny about gary he's the former twins and cardinals third baseman and infielder um you have a connection with uh, gary gaietti that goes beyond the fact that you're both from the same neck of the woods right <laughs> Yeah, it was it was bad because when he called me about a year and a half ago, uh, I hadn't heard from him for a while. But I he's older, obviously, than I was. And I grew up like almost like he was a, a myth to me because he was one of the few people that had made it to the big leagues from our uh, small area here. And when I was with Montreal... I actually had to hit him. And that was the first guy that I ever hit on purpose. The first guy uh, on purpose? <laughs> yes, I had to. And it's Gary Gaetti, who's from my town. And, well, I'll never forget because Darren Fletcher was my catcher. And he goes, hey, you know, we, we got hit last night. Now they hit us again. He said, I know it's probably going to cost you a W. It was only like the fourth inning. He said, but if you don't hit the first guy that comes up, he goes, we're going to have a mutiny like in our clubhouse. And I'm like, oh, so I go out there and the first guy up is Gary. And I'm like, oh, crap. I said, first guy I ever got a hit. It's going to be a guy from my hometown. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> but, but he's forgiven me. I, I think he forgave me because I kidded him. I said, come on. I said, it wasn't that. He goes, yeah. He goes, it really didn't hurt. The greatest compliment you can play somebody, pay somebody, it didn't hurt. <laughs> You know, I, I did want to ask you a little bit about the way you pitched. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, you were very successful. You won 130 games in the major leagues, and I don't care whether wins are, you know, are, are, are a good stat or a bad stat. You you win 130 games in the majors. Uh, that's a big deal. But you were not a hard thrower. You were a sinker baller. I mean, you basically lived uh, in the high 80s, maybe a little bit below 90s. Um, you won by getting ground balls. Uh, you you had a really good sinker. You had a good changeup. You had a good curveball uh, to keep hitters off balance. And you know that's not what the game is now. This is a game of strikeouts. Uh, you know you hear about the the three true outcomes: strikeouts, walks, and home runs. And I'm just wondering. I mean, a sinker ball like you who threw in the high 80s. How do you think you would fare in the game today? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm glad I don't have to try because I don't, I don't know if I would have made it up to even get a chance. I mean, I've, I've talked to some, you know, I still talk with Dusty and Rags and I talked Gardy. You know, he was with the Giants for so long and then guys like that that still kind of are involved in the, in the game and the pitching part of it. And they laugh all the time. I'm like, geez, how would I have made it with, you know, they're talking about spin rates and the velocity and, and they laugh and they said, yeah, you probably wouldn't have, you'd have, you'd have been an A-ball. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, I think some of those guys are getting, getting left behind because you're just looking for guys throwing, you know, 95, even harder than that. Most guys now, and uh, it's gotten to that point where they want to see a strikeout or, a, or like you said, or a walk. And there's not a lot of ground ball guys left in the game, but uh, so so I, I, I'm glad I don't have to try because I, I don't know if I would have got the opportunity to even uh, see what I could do at the major league level yeah. in today's game. Yeah, I got news for you. They talk about spin rate in a ball too. Um, <laughs> so um, 
We want to talk about the uh, the 2000 season, the first week of the uh, of the uh, I'm sorry, the anniversary of the first week of Pacific Bell Park, now called Oracle Park. And uh, hang with us. Uh, we'll get uh, to that right after this. You ready? Showtime on May 3rd. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Henry Shulman talking to Kirk Readers. So uh, this is supposed to be uh, a 20th anniversary celebration of what is now called Oracle Park, what was called Pacific Bell Park when it opened in 2000. And unfortunately, the coronavirus uh, and all the shutdown of sports is uh, it's going to delay some of that. And uh, the Giants are going to open their or were to open their 2000 season on uh, on Friday against the Dodgers. Um, you pitched in the very first regular season game at the ballpark, but I, I want to start by asking about uh, an exhibition game before that, a uh, couple of exhibitions. You guys played uh, some ex- two exhibitions against the Brewers and the Yankees, and, and, and as I recall, as most of us recall, uh, the weather conditions were just right so that balls were just flying out of there. I think there were seven home runs in one of those two games, and we had heard that the pitchers were about ready to mutiny um, and, and, and complaining to the pitching coaches that you guys wouldn't eat, be able to pitch at, at this ballpark. Do you remember that? Well, I mean, I know I got to pitch that first game, too. I think some of our guys were a little ticked off that I actually got to open both things. I, I, I threw the first pitch against Milwaukee in the exhibition season, and I got to throw the first pitch uh, against the Dodgers in the regular season. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if we thought it was going to be that big of an honor because we thought looking at the park it was like oh my gosh how am I going to pitch you know with the wall right there they're going to hit ball and, and especially the way I pitched because I threw away a lot right. I thought they would just pepper the the right field wall and I wouldn't get any outs because a fly ball would hit the wall and it'd be a double or go out <laughs> and uh, so I, I was really worried but I, I mean I think as it got going then you, you started seeing that okay how many balls are are really hit down the line you know they hit them in to what is now you know triples alley when everybody started calling triples alley and and i think once it got going it, it was a lot better obviously for the pitchers but yeah at the start when we walked in the park i mean everybody was kind of like the pitchers like you said especially were like oh my gosh that just looks like it's right on top of you that right field wall how, how am i going to get an out <laughs> yeah now now were, were your teammates just sort of like jokingly mad or really mad that you got to pitch both well no hopefully they were jokingly mad but but i know i mean you when you're opening a park i mean you want to be the first guy to go and, and do something and so it, it was kind of ironic that it got set up that way that you know, because I wasn't going to be the opening day starter. I mean, I think Levo was uh, was pitching opening day like two or three years in a row back then. and But it just set up that we went there, and he'd already pitched. So we were opening on the road. They were setting him up to pitch there. And then my exhibition game from spring training, it just happened to be the first game facing Milwaukee. So I got to pitch that first game with, you know, with all the buildup. I mean, because that was a pretty big deal 
even though it was going to be spring training, I mean, we did all the, went to the Willie Mays statue, I know the morning of, and so it was still a lot of hoopla with an opening of the park. And I got to do that plus do the, the regular season game too. So some of my guys might still be mad that I got to do both. <laughs> well, the first regular season game uh, did not exactly hurt the perception that this was going to be a hitter's park. Uh, Kevin Elster, who was the Dodgers shortstop, who hit 88 career home runs, and he had a long <laughs> career in the majors. He hit three of them that day, and the Dodgers beat the Giants, I think it was 6-1. to one. He hit two of them off you. I mean, what, what were you thinking after a Kevin Elster had a three-homer day? Yeah, I mean, to me, I was like, okay, because he was probably batting eighth that day, too, I would think. Probably Something seventh like that, eighth, yeah. Because, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm thinking, okay, the good, I'm always looking for the bright side when I go home, especially after I lose a game or got beat. I'm thinking, okay, the bright side of this is there are other guys didn't hit the home, you know, so maybe that was just a one-time thing and, and maybe it won't be as bad as, as him hitting three home runs. And so I was trying to look at it that way, but still, you're still anxious just because, and I'm sure everybody was, because you, you obviously thought it was going to be a, a big-time hitter's park just the way of the that it was set up. And, and like you said, I don't think that first day did anything to quell <laughs> those, those uh, thoughts. But uh, I, I was still looking for the bright side, and, uh, and thankfully uh, it, it turned out okay. <laughs> well, the, the 2000 season turned out more than okay. But if we go back to that first homestand, like you said, you started on the road, uh, and most teams do when they open a new ballpark. They have like a soft opening for with an exhibition game, then they go on the road to kind of fix all the last-minute details. And you guys went three and four. Uh, on the uh, first road trip to start that season. Then you came to the new ballpark. You had a uh, six games to start the season. You guys went 0-5, and then the Sunday night <laughs> baseball game, which was supposed to be the final game, your last chance to win a game on the homestand, and it got rained out. Uh, and, you know, fans were screaming about wanting to go back to Candlestick, and actually those of you who don't remember this uh, can relate with uh, you know the new 49ers, Levi Stadium, because a lot of people were screaming to go back to, to Candlestick even as they were demolishing it because the 49ers <laughs> were so bad. Uh, but, I mean, it, it almost looked like you couldn't win at your new ballpark. I mean, do you remember leaving, the, uh, you know, leaving for that first road trip kind of a little shell-shocked? Well, and, and it's funny you say it got rained out because obviously I think I was supposed to pitch that game and it was supposed to be Sunday night baseball. And I think President Clinton was was there. He was. And and we were trying to we were hoping it was going to get rained. You know, you would think, oh, you want to play. But I think some of the guys were getting to like, oh, crap, let's just get out of here. Let's get on the road and, and get back uh, to winning. And then we can come back because, like you said, I think all the fans and everybody thought everything was jinxed and we couldn't win. And sometimes as when you're playing in front of your home crowd, you, you want to give that extra effort and you know, you want to get a win. You, you try too hard. And, and we were just like, okay, Hey, it's raining. Maybe that's a sign because I don't think, I don't know how many rainouts the giants have had over the years, but that was like, come on, let's just bang this game and let's get on the road. We don't care if the president's here. Let's go see what we can do uh, once we get away from this place and then we'll come back. And And thankfully, that's what happened. You know, they we didn't play that last game because I, I think everything, even the day before, didn't a fan, I think like a fan reached over and like for a home run, I, I remember against the Diamondbacks and Barry almost caught it, but then he the fan took it 
took it right out of his glove or hit his glove. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, we this place, we're never going to win. We're never going to win. And so it, I think we were just ready to get out of there. <laughs> and actually, it, it turned out to be a good thing. Uh, you guys uh, went to Cincinnati right after that. You did. You were supposed to pitch the game. And by the way, Clinton was there because uh, his daughter Chelsea was going to Stanford, and he came to visit. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he, he kind of uh, came out of a luxury box onto the balcony and sort of waved like the Pope, and that was probably the highlight <laughs> of, of everything like that. Now, you, uh, you did go on the road, uh, and you went 5-2 and two on the first trip. It was uh, Cincinnati uh, and uh, Arizona, uh, and Cincinnati, Arizona, and Florida, I believe it was. And... Um, you actually pitched in that first game in relief. It was a game that um, I believe it was Joe Nathan started, and then you came in in relief. You won that game, and then you you ended up, like I said, going five and two on that on that road trip. Uh, and, and then you came home. Now this is the second. Now now you're at your second home stand, and you had a great home stand. In fact, it included a four game sweep over the Mets. You started one of those games. Uh, followed by three straight wins over the the Rockies and Cardinals, you ended up winning. What, I, I guess it was uh, about seven in a row. So, why was the feeling so much different uh, in on that road trip and then at home? Well, I think we got away, and like I said, sometimes you're just you're pressing at home, especially when when you've lost the as many the five in a row, and. I think we got on the road. I mean, we knew we had a pretty good team. I mean, with, with the guys that we had. So we knew we weren't going to lose uh, like we were at the start of that year. It was just, hey, let's get our feet under us and, and we'll get going. And, and the thing I remember about the road trip is I was actually mad because they were going to skip my start because we had an off day too. So they didn't want to push everybody back. So that's why I pitched in relief. And I remember uh, telling Rags, I was like, come on, I want to, and I want to start. I don't want to, cause I'd never pitched in relief. And he goes, Oh, he goes, we're just doing it. We'll set the whole rotation. And so, and so it, it worked out perfect though. Like you said, we, we got on a roll and, and then once we came home, I think once we got the first win and I think I pitched against the Expos when we got our first win in the park. And it was almost like that kind of broke the seal. You know, we, we, we won our first game the jinx was over and now let's just play baseball. And, and I don't think it was any, it wasn't like we had team meetings or, or did anything, you know, crazy on the road trip to, to start playing better. I mean, we, we knew we had a, a good group of guys and, and we had a, a pretty good team. So it was just getting that, that feeling of winning at the home park. And, and then from there, it just took off. And, yeah. Yeah. And it, it felt like we were never going to lose. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, that was one of the, you know, one of the most interesting contradictions after starting the season 0-5 at uh, what was then Pacific Bell Park. The Giants ended up with the best home record in the majors uh, that year. You won the National League West, and then lost in the first round of the, the playoffs to the Mets. Uh, what do you remember most about that uh, 2000 team? Uh, I know what you remember most about the season, but let me ask you about the team first. Well, I mean, I still tell people that, that you know, I, we, I was, had the, the luxury of playing on a lot of great teams uh, with San Francisco and going to the playoffs multiple times. But that 2000 team probably was – maybe our best team as far as top to bottom what we had and it was a shame that, that we got knocked out by the Mets uh but like when you get in a playoff series it's it's kind of like a crapshoot you don't know especially those five games and but but that that team was from from top to bottom with pitching with 
you know, the relievers, with, with our hitters. I mean, we had everybody that kind of where we wanted them, and, and we felt like we had the best team in baseball. And it was just a great year. I mean, we moved into the new park, and, you know, it was, it was an exciting time for the, for the city, for the fans, for the organization. I mean, everybody, we'd been hearing about the park. You know, I got there in 96, and they, they had the numbers, you know, in Candlestick where they were counting down, you know, every, every day to, to the new park. And so that was just an exciting year all the way around. I mean, anytime you move into something new, uh, it, it's going to bring that excitement to the whole area. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I remember. It was, everything was, was so much fun because you hadn't done it before. I mean, you looked out into McCovey Cove, you got to go downtown instead of, you know, driving and going to Candlestick. And so it was, it was a new experience, but, and plus we, we had a great team and, and made the playoffs. And so that's what I take away from, from that season was, was how much fun it was. And, and to start that, the winning in, in the new park. I, I think if we'd have went there and, you know, only won like 60 games, uh, everybody would have really been like, oh, let's go back. Let's go. We're, we're, we're not going to win in this park. But, but we had a good year, and, and I think we kind of set the tone for, for what that park was, was going to be able to do. And um, we'll, we'll end this uh, edition of the Giants uh, Splash. By, I'm, t- I'm going to take you to task for something. On June, 14th, on June 14th, 2000, you pitched a great game at uh, Pacific Bell Park. Six innings, one run. You beat the Reds 6-2. Uh, to two. It was on June 14th that year. And then you blew us off. You didn't talk to us after the game. I mean, that wasn't <laughs> like you. Why? Why would you blow us off like that? And and uh, and I think if I don't if I if I remember correctly I think I actually told you guys because I always told myself I would never leave and however many years I was in the big leagues and had to do my but the press conferences afterwards uh, but I think I was so leery I was like hey and I think I told you guys hey I don't care if I throw a no hitter or I give up ten runs I said I will not be here tomorrow <laughs> after that game. I said, because I am going, I got to be at the hospital to uh, welcome my, my first baby into the world. So when you come in here, I will not be here. Uh, so don't get mad whether I do bad or good. And uh, you guys, I think, all laughed. And But, yes, I was not in the clubhouse. That was the – I think as soon as I came out after six innings, uh, I, I hurried up, showered, and I was on my way to the hospital. And uh, it was that. Well, I, I and I should have remembered that, or I should have said that, because 2000 obviously was when my first daughter Hope was born. So that was a big time for us uh, uh, as a family. Uh, so so it always have a special place. And but yes, that day when you said 103, I know my wife Carla would would vouch for that because I think uh, she drove around with an air conditioner in the car. 103 degrees that day. Yeah, just to stay cool before she was going in yeah. uh, to, to deliver that night. So uh, it, it worked out great, though, because obviously I'd have lost. I know Dusty had told me that. He was like, hey, are, you know, I, I want you to pitch. I don't – you can pitch, but he said, if you lose <laughs> – and I said, well, I said, let's not go there. I said, let's just say we're, we're going to win. Uh, and uh, then my daughter – or, well, son, I didn't know it was going to be a daughter then. We didn't know. But uh, whichever it is, they'll they won't be a loser. We'll be we'll be a winner. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, I was holding a grudge for twenty years, but who? Knew, but it was the day that your little, as I wrote in a story, it was either going to be a little Woody or a little Woodina. It's like the worst line I ever wrote. Um, so, 
with that, that's I want, a great line. Oh, okay, that's a well, great line. Uh, we'll, we'll take, we'll do a poll online. Um, listen, with that, I want to thank you, Kirk. This Kirk Reader, uh, one of my favorite uh, players of all time to cover. This is one of the best podcasts that I've recorded, and I hope you and your family stay, stay safe there in uh, Southern Illinois. Hey, we will, and same to you, because you, uh, and like you said, or I told you, you do have a special place uh, in me and Carla's heart. Uh, you were the one guy she always liked uh, as, a, as a reporter and following us, and so whenever you're in St. Louis or in the area, you are always welcome at my house and shit. Okay, pack candy. <laughs> we will. All we right. always have that. Thank you, Kirk. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Giant Splash We plan to provide you with more podcasts and stories covering the 20th anniversary of what is now called Oracle Park, plus much, much more. The Giant Splash is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support the Splash and all of the Chronicle's great journalism by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.